first thing we looked at is having a relationship with God. Very, very, very important. We looked at intimacy with God as the first point of call when it comes to the principle of choosing a life partner. Intimacy with God. We cannot over or underemphasize that. It's really, really critical as a principle of choosing a life partner. And remember the triangle. The second one we mentioned was knowledge. Knowledge is so critical. In fact, everything boils down to knowledge. Remember the four S's we talked about? The four S's, don't forget them. You know, true wisdom is a house built. True understanding with the chambers be filled with all good and precious, you know, riches and all that. Then, the saturation, then the strength part. Then look at the five facets of knowledge. The five facets of knowledge. See, when it comes to knowledge, what are the five things that somebody needs to like pay attention to? The five things. And we talked about um, knowledge of biblical standard. You cannot do this the way of the world. Because the Bible says, though we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we can't do this the way the world does it. There is a biblical standard which we must um, tow and uphold. Anybody that tows that biblical standard will not make a mistake, a picture, because you know marriage, like I said, is an institution that God Himself made. So who else is better to tell us about the institution than the originator? So we can't go to the world and the world system to get knowledge of what God instituted. So the biblical standard, very very important. Then know yourself. Now talk about knowing yourself. Know yourself. You need to know yourself. Knowledge of yourself will also help you to know who is best suited for you. And under that point, we talk about personality. I'm going to rush through because I just can't. Just do a recap for those that have not, um, you know, joined us from the beginning, so they won't be floating. Then we talk about um, past past experiences, past experiences, past experiences. Or what has happened in your past past relationships will help you know who to choose and who not to choose. They say once beaten, twice shy. So you can't let yourself be beaten twice. So knowledge from past experiences is also very, very important to is noteworthy. Then we also talked about um, hanging out with godly couples that have good marriages. Then the next one is couples. We talked about couples. Purpose is very, very, very important. Very, very critical. If you know who you are, if you know the reason why God um, created you and sent you, sent you here on earth, then you better know who to choose. Like I said yesterday, people that have problems with choosing a partner that you spend the rest of their life with, that problem is so much reduced if you know who you are and what you're supposed to be doing here on earth. If you know that you are going to, you are going to, you are going to make a better choice. Knowing who you are eliminates a lot of options. Eliminates a lot of options. So that is very critical. Then we also looked at um, work on yourself. Very important. You can't. It is not ideal that you want somebody perfect, Mister Right in quote, and yet you are not Miss Right. You can't want Miss Right in quotes when you're not yet Mr. Right. So you need to work on yourself. Work on yourself. Be the better version of you. 
improve your version. We all have smartphones now. I know there's something that comes with smartphones. When you download apps, periodically, those apps are updated. I mean, one of the apps that so obsessed upgrading is Facebook. Because every second of the day, they are upgrading. Every, every other day, you always receive an update notification to, to update your Facebook page, your Facebook app. Why are they doing that? So they can make the app better. So the app can better serve you. So they can make the app better. So that's why they keep updating and updating and updating and updating. That same way, be a better version of yourself. Update yourself. Update yourself and be a better version of yourself. When you do that, you, of course, attract a better spouse when you do that. The next thing we also looked at is maturity. Though we said that maturity really has nothing to do with has nothing to do with um, age we still believe that no person that is under age should get married and i we don't believe that so i think you should be old enough mature enough physically to get married especially the woman because the woman carries carries the child so some biological things must be in place. One, the point, one particular part of maturity I want us to look at is emotional maturity. You have to be matured emotionally. Very, very key. Especially for the guys. I know why I keep saying for the guys. Because women are emotional creatures. They're emotional creatures. That is the way God made them. So it is not a bad thing. Though there's an extreme to that. So women can get overly emotional. I know that. But first, every woman must every man must, must first understand that women are emotional creatures. When you understand that, you will treat them better. You know, when Paul sorry, when Peter was speaking in in um in, in Peter chapter three, I think verse seven, he was speaking to the husband and the wife. And I told the husband, I said, see, treat your wife, take care of her, treat her with care. Treat her with care, for she is the weaker vessel. When Peter said that the woman is a weaker vessel, he didn't mean that the woman is as far not strong physically or anything. Though it's part of that, but that's not really what he meant. That he said that in verse seven, First Peter three verse seven said, "Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding." The key word there is understanding, because you need to understand where the woman is coming from. She's coming from a place of of she she thinks. With high emotions, when we also look at male and female differences, one of the things you see there is that women think from their soul with their emotions. So the, the Bible is instructing the husband: deal with your wife, deal with the woman with understanding. Very, very important. Giving honor to their wife as the weaker vessel. So that is something we have to take note of. So if the guys are not matured, emotional as they ought to they might not really meet the woman's need because one of her needs in in marriage is that but like i said yesterday marriage is all about meeting emotional needs so when emotional needs are not being met then divine direction that's the next point that's the next principle 
divine direction. Divine direction comes in now when, that's why I put it at this number. When number one, you have, the number one principle is you have a deep relationship with God. Number two is that you have knowledge. Number three is that you have already discovered your purpose. Number four is that you're working on yourself. You anticipate you're going to get married. So you've started work on yourself. The next one, I think is the fifth one, is maturity. Then, after maturity, you make a list of what you want. Then, you now need to listen to God. Now, listen, you now need to listen, listen to the Holy Ghost for direction. For direction, to know the right person to marry. Because you can meet the one and you will not know it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, that as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Very, very critical. Very, very important. God desires to lead us, the New Testament Christian, from the inside. God desires to lead us from the, our human spirit, not from external means. Because God lives on our inside. He lives right on our inside. The Holy Ghost beareth witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. So God lives on our inside. And He desires to speak to us from our inside. So we should receive guidance from our human spirit, not through our mind. Very important. A believer that has learnt to hear God from his or her human spirit will make headway in life. Make headway in life. You know, Pastor Chukudi says something. He says that when God gave us Jesus, he gave us everything. But when God gave us the Holy Ghost, his spirit, he gave us himself. So you can't have God himself and you are confused. It's impossible. You can't have God himself. And you are not successful. It's impossible. But the thing that is going on is that though we have God, we are not making use of God. We are not utilizing the assets that we have. I really try to put it this way. You know, I... I'm intrigued with supercars, so I, I watch a lot of documentaries on supercars. Now, engineer, car engineers, automobile engineers have come up with some advancement in automobile engineering that they make incredulous cars now. Cars that can hit a hundred miles per hour in two point something seconds. Do you know what it, what two point something seconds is? It's like you know when you count seconds, one, two. Before you count three, they've hit. 100 miles per hour or 100 kilometers per hour they've hit that speed these cars have massive engines some have v12 engines some have v8 engines that have been tweaked with massive brake horsepower now hitting about 600 and something bhps and those cars they call them supercars as powerful as they are if you take it down autobahn, autobahn is the highway in Germany where 
there are no speed limits. You can just take off and ride as much as you want. You take it down autobahn and you only do 20 miles per hour. And you're like, at least the maximum speed I can go, 20 miles per hour. Whilst the odometer is showing you that you can do 300 kilometers per hour. But you're saying you only do 20 miles. You are killing the car. The car is made for speed. So when it's not used for that, it is underutilized. And that is what you, happens to us Christians. We underutilize God that we have. We have massive, massive, massive equipment and assets on our inside. But we underutilize it. If just 5% of Christians can learn to be led by the Holy Ghost, the bulk of our problems will be solved. I know what I'm talking about. Will be solved. What has happened to us is that we are so earth conscious that we're no longer heaven conscious. We listen to what people say more than we listen to our human spirit. I'm not against taking advice from people. No. In fact, it's important. You need to take advice from people. The Bible says in the multitude of cancer, there is safety. I'm not against that. But it is secondary to listening to your human spirit to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. Taking counsel from people should be like confirmation of what the Holy Ghost is saying or not saying on your inside. Just this principle. You can discard every other principle. Every, I can give you, I'm going to give you up, up to like 15 or 20. You can dis, discard all of them. But don't discard this one. Divine direction. Because if you are directed divinely, you will be intimate with God. If you are directed divinely, you have knowledge. If you are directed divinely, you will know your purpose. If you are directed divinely, of course, you can't have the Holy Ghost working on you that you won't work on yourself. You'll be better. If you are directed divinely, you will now better write down the list of attributes that your spouse should have. Are you seeing that every other principle is subsumed into this principle? So it's very critical. We can't joke with this principle. You just, we, we just can't joke with this principle. It is the A and the Z of choosing a life partner. So I'm going to dwell on it a bit. If it's just what I do today, I'm fine. Because it is very, very important. So let's do a little study. First, there's a scripture I showed you yesterday when I was talking about making a list. Romans chapter 8. So let's go there. Romans chapter 8. To lay foundation. The Bible says in verse 24. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is sin is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance or patience. I'm reading from the New King James, New King James Version. We eagerly wait for it. And I read the scripture yesterday when I was speaking about making a list. How hope is your expectation? How if there is nothing you are hoping for, there is nothing faith can act on. So I usually say it this way. Hope is the raw material of faith. I'll say that again. Hope 
is the raw material of faith. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Meaning, if you take hope out, there is nothing faith can act on. Let me quote that scripture again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith acts on hope to make intangible hope tangible. So hope is our expectation. Never really just quote a scripture from my from my from the top of my head in case I don't get there. Jesus teaching the disciples about faith in Mark chapter eleven. He said, "Shall I say to this mountain, and shall not act in your heart? You shall have what you say." That is verse twenty-three. Now the Bible says in verse twenty-four. And I said, "Now when you pray." Believe that you have received it, then you will have it. So believe that you have received it, then you will have it. Because he said, believe you've received, then you have. How can I receive it? I mean, he's, he's saying the same thing twice. Until one day the Holy Ghost told me that the year is back. He said, no. That that first receive is, is your hope becoming your hope becoming real. You know, there's a point where you hope for something, I hope for something, that it is like it's almost real. Like it's almost real. Like if you go through what I thought yesterday in making a list, it gets to a point where your expectation becomes so real to you. I mean, you've lived in your expectation so long that you cannot separate your, ex your, your life with that expectation from reality. People were just like, ah, they said trying out those things, putting their expectation to work, putting their hope to work, and superimposing faith on it. Why? Faith needs a raw material to work on. And they are getting testimonies. One said he wanted to buy a car. He went online, downloaded a picture of the exact car he wanted, and put it as a screensaver, put it everywhere, and, you know, the testimony was mind-blowing. When he wanted to now buy the car, by then, he was seeing somebody he wants to he buy. They're both they are married now. And then he was like, ah, because the car he... He, he he programmed was a Honda Accord. I think a navy blue Honda Accord. So the lady was like, ah, Honda, the Honda, she had Honda is not too strong, go. That shouldn't they buy Toyota? And the young man, because he's in love, decided to buy Toyota. Toyota Camry. So paid money, somebody went to Lagos or Cotona or somewhere to buy the Toyota. The Toyota Camry. And do you know the funny thing? When the guy arrived with the car, the guy arrived with a Honda navy blue Honda. I think it's baby boy. And the guy said, Shout, say this is not what I told you, but I told you to buy a Toyota 2001 model with those tiny eyes. Why did you buy this? And the guy said, Giving him long story. How, what happened to that? The Honda, the Toyota, he took the picture and sent to him. This one, by the time he got there, one story to another, they sold it or something happened. Long story. And he saw this car and it was neat. He told the to buy it. He said, if, I said, Let me just buy it. If I bring it, you don't like it, I'll take it back. So as the guy was narrating what happened, he said, all of a sudden, he remembered my message and what he did. He said, do you know that he created that car? Though he later changed his mind because he had already created it. That car he created, using the principles I taught yesterday, was what that guy bought. You need to understand, this thing is so powerful. It is so powerful. He has forgotten about it. He has changed his mind. And yet, the forces of faith ensured that what he created was what he got 
Do you ever forget this scripture I keep quoting? I quoted it yesterday to Ephesians 3 verse 20. Say, unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above all we might ask, think, he now said, according to the power at work within us. What you feed into that in brackets within you is what you will produce. There's something they taught us when we are doing um, computer science. LIFO, if I remember, we see FIFO. FIFO, first in, first out. Garbage in, garbage out. So they taught us that because well, we, we are trying to understand, uh, teaching us logic diagram in those days where programming language was just MS DOS. Not now we have Java and coding and algorithm and all that. So you have to be careful as you're doing your programming, you have to be careful. You have to first draw a logic diagram. I don't know if I have some old school people listening to me. Have a logic diagram so you know there's different steps. So because if you miss one, you will need to go back, erase everything, and start over again. Long story. So it's the same. It is the same. It is what you put in that you will produce. Whatever you put in that you will produce. That is why the, the uh, 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 Solomon warned us. Say, guard your heart with all diligence. Say, guard your heart with all diligence. That out of it flows the issues of life. Very important. That is why you need to put guard on your ears and on your eyes. What you hear and what you see affects you because they are the entry or in them still continue my computer language. They are the input devices into your hard drive. And whatever is in your hard drive is what you produce. So that's why Job said he has... He has um, caught the covenant with his eyes and with his, with, his, with, his, with his ears and all that. So he will not see or speak evil. Because uh, this thing is so important. It's so critical. Anybody that grasps this will make headway and become a success in everything he or she is engaged in. So it's very, very important. So hope is the raw material that you need to give to faith. So faith can translate it to material things. That's why hope is your expectation. That's why your list you're going to make is hope. So let's just hurry on. Verse 26, because we're running out of time. Verse 26 now says, Likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmity. That's King James, but I'm reading New King James Version. It helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit helps us in those things, our shortcomings, our weakness. I would guess that we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. That is why when we pray in the Holy Ghost, the Holy, the Holy Ghost handles those things ahead of time on, for, on our behalf. In Acts 27, Now he who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. I'm going to pause here and say something very, very important. He said, He who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Who is the one searching the heart to know what is in the mind of the spirit? It is your human spirit 
that is searching the well of knowledge, which is God. God is omniscient, meaning that God knows everything. King James said, And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let me start it from verse 26 again. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions, intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It is now after this verse that the popular verse 28 now kicks in. And, and is a conjunction. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who have called according to his purpose. And usually we take this verse out of context. We just run. Hey, all things work together for me, work out together for me, all things work out together for me. And we quote it, we claim it good, beautiful, confess the word, claim it perfect. But it's a continuation of verse 26 and verse 27. Who will have all things work together for them, for good for them? The ones that pray in the Spirit. They're the ones that all things work together for good for. But the point I want to make is that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, let me explain the dynamics of those two verses. Holy Spirit, God us understanding, so we understand this. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, your human spirit starts praying. It gets to a point, the Holy Ghost takes over. The Holy Ghost starts praying for things you don't even know about. Maybe there is something coming in the future, danger or whatever. Whilst you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost makes intercession for you. And as this is going on, there is uploading going on. It gets to a point, there should be a corresponding download. When you pray, you upload your request. Then it gets to a point where you need to get answers. Where you need to get leading by the Spirit. There should be a corresponding download. So as you're praying in the in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is praying, your human spirit does a search to know some things. Hold this place. Let me read another scripture. First Corinthians chapter 2. The seven says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, I'll say something. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Verse 10 is beautiful. I love verse 10. In verse 9, he just told us, I have not seen, ear has not heard. He said, neither has he entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Then in the next verse, all of a sudden, he's now telling us something else. He said, but God had revealed it all has revealed them all unto us by His Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things. 
I read that section again. Yea, the deep things of God. I have not seen, yea, I have not heard who your future husband will be, who your future wife will be, where the, that next contract is going to come from, where that job is going to come from. Maybe one decision or the other you're trying to make. You don't know now. Physically, the eye and ear represent the physical mind. Remember, man is in three dimensions. Man is first a spirit with a soul. Then they both live in a body. So the eye and the ear there represent the physical part of man, the body of man. So it's telling us that the physical part of man, the body of man, or the voice of the flesh cannot receive from God. That's just what he's, he's saying by saying, I and ear have not seen. Then he now leaves the body, the first dimension of man. Into the second dimension, which is the soul. He said, neither has it entered our soul, which is the mind. Here he called it heart of man. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. So what he's trying to say, you cannot receive from God. You cannot hear from God using your physical senses, your five senses. Neither can you hear from God using your mind. You cannot. No, Jesus speaking in John chapter 4 said, God is a spirit. And those that worship him in spirit and in truth, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Meaning, you can't worship God just with your body, neither can you contact God with your mind. You can't. You only contact God with your human spirit, that part of you that was created in God's image. So that's what he's tell us. You can't contact God with your mind. You can't contact God with your body and your senses. That is why you want to make an important decision, like I said at the beginning of, 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 of the class. Don't you need to, you know, make inquiry, talk to people that have been there, talk to your mentors, talk to, talk to your pastor, talk to your parents. Very important to do that. In the moment of counsel, like I already told you, there is safety. But like I told you, are secondary to the primary thing. Don't make these other two facets of, your, of, of man be the primary ways you are led. I see a lot of people being distracted, being controlled by something somebody is telling them. Somebody has fed them information about one or two things and they believe that more than what the Holy Ghost is telling them on their inside. It is dangerous to believe what somebody says than what God is saying on, the, in, on your inside. You make a lot of mistakes. Now, like I said, I love verse 10. He said, but, 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 God had revealed it to us. Not God will reveal. God had revealed it to us by His Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit, this is where the confusion sets in in this, in this scripture. Because in your Bible, that second spirit in verse 10, the S is a capital letter. That is wrong. That is wrong. And I'll prove it to you. And you won't blame them because the, the, the translators of the Bible, you know, had, but that's not even the problem. The problem actually was because the Greek word for spirit, the, the Greek word for spirit is just one. One word. When they talk about human spirit, it's just one. Talk about the Holy Ghost, it's just one. It's just one word. That's why, you know, they had a little issue to tell when they're talking about the Holy Ghost and when they're talking about our human spirit. Now you see why this is the, uh, the human, the second spirit is the human spirit. Say, for the spirit searcheth all things. God is omniscient. God already knows all things. The Holy Spirit knows everything. He is the author and the finisher. He is the first and the last. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He knows everything. So if he knows everything, 
he can't be searching for everything. So who is that or what is that spirit doing the searching? It is our human spirit. We need to engage our human spirit to search the omniscient God, which is the Holy Spirit. So when you are praying in tongues, I mean, praying in tongues is so dynamic. It's, it's, it's a spiritual experience to the extent that, you know, scientists have conducted a, a study on that and they have discovered that the portion of your brain, the part of your brain, I think it's the frontal lobe, that is responsible for speech. Usually when, when you're talking, like I've been talking now, if I had some of those gadgets, some of those stuff that uh, they put, I think they call it electrodes or something, that they put to check your head, your, your, the rhythm of your nerves, heartbeat, and all those things, that they can take a rhythm from your brain, from that frontal lobe, will be active because I'm talking. So they got some Bible beliefs, some, some Pentecostal Christians that were baptized with the Holy Ghost. This was done in a scientific environment. And they plugged all those things on them. And they started speaking in tongues. The researchers found out that when they started speaking in tongues, that that frontal lobe that usually becomes active when you're talking, that activity was almost negligible. That frontal lobe, the activity there was almost negligible. They were talking, they were talking, but it was not reading in the mind. Because that's your brain, is part of your mind. <laughs> that goes to tell you something. That speaking in tongues is a spiritual activity. So though they were moving their lips, it is actually their spirit praying. That is why when you're conducting Holy Ghost baptism, you need to teach this well. Because a lot of people keep their mouth shut, thinking that the Holy Ghost will come and will move your mama and they start speaking in tongues. No, go back to Acts chapter 2. When the, the, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, it is clear that the Bible says that they, the disciples that were in the upper room, started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when you conduct the Holy Ghost baptism, the Spirit will come once they believe and have faith. But they need to give an outlet for the Holy Ghost, for the human spirit, to speak the utterance from the Holy Ghost. They need to do that. So in the church of a life partner, you need to understand divine direction. Very, very important. And um, one of the best ways to hear from God is when you speak in tongues. Because as you're speaking in tongues, your human spirit is searching. The Bible says, what is he searching? If I say, say, yea, the deep things of God. Yea, the deep things of God. So, the, the Holy Ghost cannot search again what he knows. No. It does not the Holy Ghost. It's your human spirit doing the searching. So, it's a skill you must learn. So, whenever you're praying in tongues, activate the ear of the spirit. Not this one. There's another ear of the spirit. They need to activate. Because as you're praying in tongues, listen for a download. So listen for that direction. God helped me. God helped me. And I'm so grateful to him. Early in my Christianity to learn this act of hearing from God. That is why there's something that happened in my life. I, I knew already. You can ask my wife when we had our first child. In fact, we even had a little tussle. I wanted a girl first. She wanted a boy. For reasons best known to her. So... One day, I woke up from sleep. I woke up and I told her, 
that because we're arguing to be a boy, say no to be. I said to be a girl, say no to be a boy. Say you know the normal couple fight. So when I just woke up, we've not done any tests to see any pregnancy. I just told her that baby in your tummy is a boy, and of course she was so happy. Like she was like, how did you know? I said, don't worry, just conduct a test. And of course she conducted the test, and it was a boy. So she was happy, though I was not really happy. But what would I do? So I just knew. The same thing happened with our second child. Our second child, she was now, okay, fine. I've forgotten my boy. Now, let's agree. And we agreed that we'll have a girl. The same thing happened. I turned again, I told her, when she was pregnant, before we even did any test, you are carrying a boy. In this, at this time around, she was sad because she wanted a girl. I said, that's a boy. She's like, hey, I want to be a boy. No, no, it's a girl. Didn't we agree? I said, well, I'm telling you what I downloaded from the spirit. You know, the same thing also happened when I met her. I knew she was my wife. I can't explain how I knew, but I knew. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit beareth witness with our human spirit that we are the Son of God. That same way, the Spirit will bear witness with your human spirit that this man is your husband, that this woman is your wife. Especially, that is why if you are trusting God for, for, his, for, for a life partner, don't joke with praying in tongues. You don't joke with it. Let it be your hallmark. Just don't pray in tongues like a machine gun. As you are praying in tongues, activate your human spirit to hear. You might not hear why you are praying in tongues. Like I told you this, like my examples I just gave you. It was not while I was praying. It was when I woke up. It happens, that is my own style. Don't go seeking my style. Because the Holy Spirit is dynamic. He leads people different ways. I'm not also saying that that's the only way I hear. I hear in different manners and different ways. But one of the ways I hear is once I wake up, a lot of things are clear to me. A lot of things are clear to me. I know a lot of things. What to do, what not to do, what is happening there, what this person is doing, what this person is doing, what this person is saying, what this person is even planning on doing. I just can't explain. I just know. I, I, I just know. That's the only way I can explain it. In the, in the place, place of praying in tongues. So God will reveal them. God will reveal your spouse to you. Will tell you. Inside, in your human spirit. Your human spirit is not in your head. It's not in your neck. Somehow I believe the human spirit is in your belly. Because Jesus told us that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. So usually what we do, you know, religiously when we want to hear from God is that we tilt our head forward and we want to hear from God. You know, as if there will be a voice from heaven like the way the voice spoke to Jesus when he was baptized. You know, subconsciously we do it. Anytime we want to hear from God, we at times we even turn our our head in an angle so our earlobe can be positioned like a satellite so we can hear from God. No, God does not speak externally anymore. He might have done that in the Old Testament and a couple of times in the New Testament just to prove one or two things. But the primary way God leads us is from our inside. The Holy Spirit is in your human spirit that me personally, I believe, is somewhere in your belly. Somewhere in your belly. That is why when something happens all of a sudden that causes fear, I don't know how many of you have had that fear experience, where you feel it most times is in your belly before it now transmits to your heart and your heart to start beating fast due to some of the hormones that will be released. But the first place it goes to in your belly. Anytime you feel or sense fear in your belly, bind that fear. That is a dangerous fear. If you have fear in your head, that one is not dangerous. The same way if you have doubt in your head, it's not dangerous. Until doubt enters your 
your belly or fear enters your belly that something will not work out for you bind that spirit that is a spirit why once he can access your spirit then defeat has started it's been programmed so bind it immediately why God does not want us to fear. That is why if you read through your Bible, surely the Old Testament, where there are a lot of angelic appearances, when those angels appear, the first thing they say to the people, because it's a supernatural occurrence going on, so they tend to be afraid. The first thing they say, the first thing they say is fear not. God does not hang out in an environment of fear. Anywhere you are, be it church, whatever, and there is fear in that circle, Fear of the man, fear of this person, fear of that person. Run from that place. God is not there. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. He has not given us the spirit of intimidation. He has given us the spirit of what? Love. He has given us a sound mind. That's why Paul gave us a list of things we need to sit and soak up into our spirit and our mind. He said, think on these things. He said, this is honest, pure, with good report, all that. Think of these things that will not bring fear. The Pastor also said something. He said in heaven that they don't give bad news. I mean, that atmosphere does not tolerate that kind of thing. Everything going wrong on earth, all the evils going on on earth, that the people in heaven don't hear about it. In fact, they censor the news. God does not like, because all those things bring fear. And God's aura there is no fear in it. There's no fear in it. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but somebody listening to me or would listen to, to this video, it will help. So praying in tongues is very critical. I think it's the only point I can do today because we're out of time. It's very critical. You don't joke with praying in tongues. Because in praying in tongues, osmosis and diffusion is going on. Osmosis and diffusion is going on. Then all of a sudden, when you meet a man, you will just know. When you meet a woman, you will just know. You can't explain how, but you know that you know. When I ask you, but how do you know is the person? You say, I don't, you just know. And, 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 and that knowing, there's no fear in it. There's no anxiety in it. There's peace, perfect peace. When you choose your spouse with or from being led by the Spirit, that marriage might go through a lot. Take it from me. You might go through a lot. You know, um, to say, you might go through hell and high waters. But once you are with wood, the Holy Ghost says, marry. There is no hell, there is no high water that can sink down your boat. Your union will go rather from strength to strength. Whatever the attack the enemy brings, you guys together will just surmount it. Just handle it. Now, I don't care what is going on in your family right now. Maybe there's something you're believing God for. Something in that family. Maybe finances are, are where they should not be. Recession in Nigeria is affected a lot of it. A lot of men have lost their jobs. They're listening to me. You've lost your job as a man. Hear me well. Remove fear. Remove anxiety. Go back to the word. The word is the, that honest thing. That is that thing that is pure. Sit on the word on finances. Hold God tight. Know that you know that you know. I mean, you get to a point where you know that even when there is no money at home, there is no food at home, you are not shaking. You are normal. You have peace. Then you know your faith is working. 
you know that something is about to happen. Like it's going to happen to somebody listening to me now. It'll happen to somebody listening to me. From nowhere, abundance will find you. From nowhere, you will get that call. Money's being owed you will be paid you. I don't care what it is. Maybe they've owed you for a long time. They've been telling stories. Get ready. They will pay you. Whatever the enemy has stolen from you in the past, anyhow he has done it, maybe you lost your job, maybe you lost your relationship, maybe you lost whatever it is, there will be full restoration in this second half of this year. Why? There is a catchment of angels being released just for you, just to favor you, just to favor you, just to favor you. And those angels will not rest until you are favored. The only thing God wants from you is to remove anxiety. Remove fear. You know, the angel that met Mary, the first thing he, she, he told Mary, Gabriel, he said, hey, don't fear. Why? If Mary had lived in fear, that project would have been aborted. He said, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. Why? Something supernatural is about to happen. How can you explain? Word. Mere words fertilizing a woman's egg. How can you explain it? He also played a part to that. He said, hey, after the words we are released by that angel, you know what Mary did? Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. You know, recently I was discussing that with my wife. I said, you know, we we're talking about some things, you know, uh, IVF and a lot of things. And we we're trying to find out if it's in the Bible or not. Do you know what I told her? I said, IVF is in the Bible now. He said, where? I said, it's in the Bible. She said, how can the IVF be in the Bible? I said, yeah, they did call it IVF, of course, because, of course, the technology or the, the medical advancement wasn't available then. But IVF was in the Bible. What is IVF? There are different kinds of IVF. It's either they pull out the woman's egg, get the husband's sperm, fertilize it somewhere outside, you know, in the lab, then they now transfer the fertilized egg in back into the woman's uterus so she can now carry it. Her womb will incubate it. There are different kinds. There's one they won't do, you know, externally. I don't know the medical word. Then there's one that they, they can also in, do what they call sperm. Uh, is it insemination or something? Now, they don't pull out the woman's um, egg. They just introduce the sperm into it. And the sperm fertilizes it. There are different kinds. I said, you know the one that happened in the Bible? Is this last one I talked about? They moved sperm into Mary's womb and, and he fertilized with her, one of her, her ovums, with one of her eggs. And you're wondering, sperm, okay. ha, Pastor, what are you saying? You've come again. Let me show you a scripture. There are many of them. James 1, verse. 18. He said, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Of his own will begat, begat means that he gave birth to us. How were we given birth to? He said, By the word of truth. So it is the word that gives birth to us. All right, now go to the next book, First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 23. He now said, 
being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Being born again, we are born not of corruptible seed, not of sperm or whatever, but of an incorruptible seed. What is this seed again? The word of the Lord. So he's saying God's word is called the seed. Man's sperm is called the seed. This seed is the word of God. So when Gabriel brought the word, he actually brought divine sperm. He delivered it <laughs> as a spiritual IDF to Mary. And she received it. Immediately she received it. The word of the Lord fertilized her ovum, her egg. And our Lord Jesus Christ was formed. It is the word, the seed, that was delivered through spiritual IVF. I know why I'm saying this. Because anything you want to create in your life, you need the word of the Lord to do that. Anything. That is why whatever you believe God for, go and get the scripture relevant to it or the scriptures relevant to it. It is the scripture when you fire it out under the anointing, actually when you pray in tongues. Those words go out and create. The Bible says that, see this word as it, as it is, that they were created from something that is intangible. You say, hey, though that thing is the word of the Lord. God's word, though intangible, your words, though intangible, creates tangibility. So I don't know what it is you are believing God for. As you speak, I don't know if you've listened to my, the word for the week I said, the bullet word. It's all about speaking. As you speak throughout this week, as you declare it throughout this week, hey, 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 there to be noise in the realm of the spirit that something is about to happen. As you speak those things you believe God for, as you speak the word relevant to those things, things in the whole universe will start working together for your good. You will produce that miracle. You will produce that miracle. Not only will you produce it, you will enjoy it. You will see it and you will enjoy it. You will carry it full term. No abortions. At all. At all. Why? This year is your year. A lot of things are going on in the country. A lot of, you know, uncertainty. Satan attacks whenever he senses something good coming to a nation. Don't let your heart be troubled. God is in control. God will bring everything under control. This year will be one of your best years. It might look at look 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 like it now. When July, you're like one to wow, six months. You look around you, there's nothing you can hold on to to say, ah, this is what I achieved this year. But hear me well, it does not take God a long time to do a big thing. You go to bed one night and you wake up with your miracle. I'm talking to somebody. It is time to speak. Speak like a madman. Talk, let them say you are crazy. Anybody that hears you tomorrow, we're going to look at spiritual homogeneity and parental and pastoral counseling those two are also very very important god bless you